DJ Simulationistas. Sup? With Dr. D, Dan Raymer, and Dr. J, Janice Palaganis. Coming at you from the Center for Medical Simulation in Boston, Massachusetts. So buckle up your mannequin and let's roll. Welcome, everyone. Um, you're here with Janice Palaganis and Dan Raymer. DJ Simulationistas. Sup. Sup. How you doing, Dan? So, Janice, I'm doing well. Uh, um, Janice Palaganis, the my favorite uh, uh, nurse because she has a, a rhyming name and uh, fellow. Say it eight s- times fast. Fellow simulationista uh, <laughs> from the Center for Medical Simulation. I bet you can't say it eight times fast. Janice Palaganis, Janice Palaganis, Janice Palaganis. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was good, though. It sounded like you were um, making a really big wish. So, Janice. Uh, or cursing. I, I, uh, I want to talk about uh, why it's so hard to receive feedback. I, I know whenever I get feedback from anyone, I uh, feel really, really anxious about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to explore with you why, uh, why we think that might be. Yeah, it is really hard. It's hard getting feedback. I noticed that, uh, that I ga- give you feedback sometimes, and often it's about being uh, uh, cryptic in your presentations, um, that sometimes you sort of start in the middle and don't give people a chance to kind of know what you're talking about. You get ahead of them. And so I've given you that feedback a number of times. And every time I do, I notice that you kind of cringe and you bite your nails and you look at me almost pleadingly, uh, I'm sensing a a reaction from you. Tell me about that. Why do you think that is? I'm looking at you this way because I'm actually having two reactions. And the first is when you mentioned, I just knew you were going to launch into giving me feedback. And so I wasn't sure if I should reach for my passenger side seatbelt and kind of buckle in. And the second is, uh, I think it's just, it's really hard to receive feedback when you're trying so hard you know and even especially when you've received that feedback tons of times and you're really trying and and you think you're trying but it's you know whatever you're doing it's just not not working in my case so I you know I do think that it it hit it at a personal level I wouldn't say just now but a few times perhaps because I I think I'm clear but clearly I'm not you're giving me that feedback go ahead Uh, you know i'm really i'm glad that we're talking about feedback because um you know dan that i just moved to a new apartment Uh uh-huh and i actually my daughter asked me a question and it reminded me of the book thanks for the feedback so we have a book club at cms and um one of the books that we read is thanks for the feedback by douglas stone and sheila heen and it is 
a book that I have um, come to really appreciate and try to live by, and I think uh, our whole team has as well. And my daughter, as we were moving and packing up, she grabs my mirror, which is broken, and she looks at me and she says, do I put it in the throw out pile? And I go, no. I, I like almost screamed at her because in the moment I realized that we have gone through four moves with this mirror. So I'm going to tell you about this mirror, Dan. Okay. And I'm putting myself out there because it is, um, it is not exactly a great reflection of who I am, no pun intended. <laughs> okay. And <laughs> so this mirror I bought. 15 years ago. It is a cheapo mirror from Walmart. I just picked it up. I had it against the wall and my dog and my cat were playing and my dog ran into the mirror and cracked the whole kind of bottom area. It didn't shatter anything, but there's just cracks. And, um, and it's got painter's tape. So I put painter's tape to kind of hold it in place. And it still has the painter's tape from 15 years ago. And so when we moved from California to Boston six years ago, I sold all of our super duper expensive mirrors. And this is the only mirror that I kept and shipped cross country and it's broken with painter's tape on it. Why? Because it is my skinny mirror. Aha. Can you explain you know skinny that? Mirrors? <laughs> I assume it's a mirror that makes well, you Dan, look is, skinnier than you really are. It's it a magic is a mirror. mirror that makes you look skinny. I need that mirror. <laughs> <laughs> so we have other full-length mirrors, but we I avoid those mirrors and I just use my skinny mirror and I use it, you know, just tying it back to feedback. It's it's like I think when, you know, if you think about a mirror being feedback, I think we consistently will ask, you know, one or two people, one of which, one of who, whom really loves us, like somebody who really is like a fan of us, and we just go to those two people for their feedback, like the good mirror, and we avoid the people that tend to make us sweat, tend to... Um, like ugly mirrors or fat mirrors, <laughs> people that are not going to give us the feedback that we exactly want to hear. So, so, think about so that? I think that's really interesting, and I want to challenge it a little bit. Um, uh, are you saying that when you look in your skinny mirror, you see perfection? It doesn't make you a little anxious. You don't. You don't look for the <laughs> critical feedback in the reflection. No, so that's a really good point because I don't care to see, well, I do care to see if I'm skinny, but in that moment, I'm really looking to see if, you know, it's the right colors, if it's the right scarf. And so I am still getting the feedback of whether or not I should change or do my hair a different way, but it's in like this positive way. So it's, it's, the, it's the mirror that I, I like to go to. But I think it's not an accurate reflection of who you are because... You know, you're asking one or two people and I and and you know, sometimes you have to go to all sorts of mirrors, even the ugly mirrors, to get true feedback to really be able to see yourself. Ah, huh, so interesting. Um 
so I have a very important question, follow-up question for you. Uh, was your dog okay? My dog's fine. <laughs> the mirror was not. So, um, so I think there's another aspect to receiving feedback, or maybe it's part of the same uh, uh, constellation of things that makes one anxious about receiving feedback, and that is the uh, notion of that it's an identity conversation. So this also comes from Sheila Heen and Stone and their colleagues uh, um, uh, in the book, Difficult Conversations. Uh, and what they point out that in difficult conversations, the really hard part of the conversation is the identity conversation. That a conversation that has feedback in it um, tends to expose and uh, perhaps threaten one's identity. Having worked in healthcare for a hundred years now uh, and given feedback to lots of people in healthcare, uh, I've noticed that they have a very highly developed sense of their own identity, and rightfully so. People in healthcare have worked really, really hard to get where they've gotten to. They uh, have a huge amount of responsibility. They um, uh, work long hours. They take call. They do all sorts of things which uh, most other fields uh, don't expect of people. And so uh, doing this over a period of time, they develop a very, very strong sense of their own identity. And by that, I don't mean they think they're perfect or above it all, but they, um, uh, they know that they have a set of um, knowledge, actions, practices, um, behaviors that serve them quite well and serve their patients quite well day after day after day. And as soon as you start giving someone feedback they begin to wonder if you're going to attack uh, some aspect of that identity that they hold so uh, so close to their to the to their chest, um, and so I think that um, uh, recognizing that uh, that people receiving feedback have this very vulnerable feeling about their identity is important in both giving feedback, but also in receiving feedback, recognizing that you have a strong identity about something, whatever the feedback uh, uh, involves, and that as much as you want the feedback intellectually, that on some level it's going to be a threat to your identity. And, and I think that's why it's so hard. Um, I mean, I, th I think there's, there are many things I'm thinking about in terms of what makes it so difficult in debriefing to receive feedback. It's not always the case, but when it's an instructor who, with whom you're not really familiar with, that um, you're not close to, I think that's really difficult. And so I think, you know, the relationship piece or the history of that relationship is really important. And I think that often in debriefing, there's more than one, one person, and so it becomes a public venue of feedback, and so your identity is additionally at risk. And so, how, you know, how do you, how do you steepen the, you know, time from trying to overcome that it's not an identity 
kind of feedback, you know, how, how can you do it rather quickly and debriefing and be able to give feedback in a way where your, the impact ma- matches your intent as a feedback giver? Well, I think it's really important to try in whatever way you can to let the person know that you um, respect them that you respect their expertise, you respect them as a person, and importantly, that you respect that their identity is being threatened by the very fact that you're giving them feedback. And so, yeah. so letting, them, letting them know that you understand that, sometimes explicitly, but in many implicit ways, you can let them know that you can respect that it's difficult for them to receive the feedback you're giving, even if they're asking for it. Um, I, I think that that's the, that's the route to, to try to, um, uh, you know, get people more able to receive the feedback you're giving. And I think it's not even just respect for the person, but respect for the complexity of receiving feedback. I think that's really key. And and so, I mean, one of the reasons I love, I'm a huge proponent for the Thanks for the Feedback book is I think that we have it in reverse. I think we constantly teach people how to give feedback. <clears throat> we give them, you know, specific tools and and cadences of speech and ways to look at people and um you know sit down to be at their level and you know we we give them tips yet i really believe that if you're going to work if you're going to be a good feedback giver the precursor to that is being able to receive feedback because i think if you can receive feedback solicit feedback and find ways to understand the feedback and improve from it, you'll be exposed to different ways of giving feedback and what it feels like to give feedback and it will just naturally make you a better feedback giver. Yeah, I can certainly buy that. Uh, uh, I think that it's uh, really important to think about how you feel, how you react, uh, uh, things that you do things that go through your mind when you're uh, when you're receiving feedback, and how you overcome the very natural tendencies to feel threatened or defensive or to argue uh, uh, with the feedback that you're getting. And you know, I just think it's so hard to say to someone, you know, when you are giving feedback, do it with respect and. It's almost like you don't have to sit down a certain way or talk a certain way if you have that respect. But I think to gain the skills of having that kind of respect around giving and receiving feedback um, in whatever environment you're at, you have to you have to go through it. Yeah, uh, you know it's a you know it's a de- always a debate, um, you know, about whether you should be thinking about the mechanics or thinking about the outcome. Uh, I, I took a golf lesson uh, recently from a, from a new golf pro, and, uh, 
And so I d hit a shot, a couple of shots, and I described to him what I was trying to do and how I was trying to keep my elbow tucked in and uh, attack the ball more vertically and all sorts of things. And he said, um, he said, you know, I, I think your problem is you're thinking about all the wrong things. You're thinking about all the mechanics and you can't keep all the mechanics in your head. I want you to think about the target. Just think about where the ball is going. And don't think about how you're swinging. Think about getting the ball to the target. And it was a little miracle. You know, I did that a few times and I hit much better shots than I'd been hitting up to that point. So I think it's, I think sometimes just, you know, just being aware that your goal in giving feedback is to show due respect to the person, help them make an incremental change in some aspect of what they're doing, and uh, get them to try it, and not think so much about uh, exactly the words that you're using. And I, th mm -hmm. I think it often comes through if you're sincere, respectful, um, uh, you know, really interested in helping the person that comes through. So I, if we could quickly talk about establishing a feedback relationship, because I, I do think that, you know, you and I have a, have a good relationship where I can give you feedback and you can give me feedback and we're all, you know, we're, we're usually really okay with it. And I think one thing that I like that we do is in the moment of feedback or even after we will trace what was running for us during that conversation and where it all kind of stems from. And so, um, and I think just exploring that with each other garnishes respect and respect for the process in that relationship. Uh -huh. So if we could visit um, the last podcast, Yes. I had in our last podcast um, given you feedback that your shirt was inside out. And I'm wondering how that was for you. Um, well, uh, you know, as you say, we have a good relationship and I knew that you were well-meaning about it. But I have to say that on some level, my identity was threatened in the moment. You know, I like to think. Really? Yeah, sure. You know, I, <laughs> I grew up with a doting mother, and uh, I was very proud of the fact that I learned to tie my own shoes and that I learned to dress myself. And, uh, you know, by telling me my shirt was inside out, you were telling me that I was incompetent in a very uh, basic, you know, life uh, activity <laughs> uh, that I couldn't get dressed in the morning. Um, uh, I probably got dressed in the dark or something and didn't, didn't notice. Um, and so, you know, you know, it, uh, it did, it had the potential for, for really threatening me and, you know, having someone say and think and people listening to the podcast think that I was really a bumbling, incompetent person who uh, <laughs> couldn't dress themselves in the morning. It's okay. You can't dress yourself. I'm cryptic. <laughs> it's, it's all good. <laughs> so I'm 
I mean, not that I'm shocked, but I, I think that you're bringing up a really good point in that so much of when we've traced what was running for us, it stems from our childhood. And not only are you challenging the I identity of someone professionally, but just who they are and you know how they were raised as children, oftentimes you have no idea what you're gonna stumble upon. And so that having the skills, if you're gonna be doing debriefing, but having the skills to give feedback because of the variability that you could come across, it, it's just so key to being a good debriefer. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I guess I was able to accept the feedback that you gave me because it was done respectfully and uh, you made a little bit of a joke out of it and I was okay with that. Um, I, I knew that you, uh, you know, cared that I that that I didn't embarrass myself by walking around all day with my shirt inside out, having <laughs> people in the grocery store talking about me, and uh, although I probably would be okay with that too. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Dan, can I? give you more feedback from our last podcast uh okay i'm now starting to sweat my heart rate is increasing my blood pressure is going sky i'm a skinny high. mirror i, I am need to a take my beta blocker mirror, okay? okay no i'm a skinny mirror uh, treat me you as are. such okay give me some feedback janice <laughs> i've taken my medication so you use the word and i can't even say it you used the word titillated. <laughs> yes. And it is just a bad word. It's a bad word. Really? <laughs> yes. It officially, since your use, has made Jay's list of words that should definitely be bad words. It just, it sounds bad, right? It just, doesn't it just sound because like because it has tit in it? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> which which for your okay, information? Thank you. I feel like I need to go to church bird. now. Thank you. Actually, I believe that the three-letter word that you just mentioned—it's old English origin—is actually the word that you use on the podcast. Our last podcast. Uh huh. So the doesn't that make more sense than a bird? Yes, I think the etymology of the word titillate does come from a sexual base basis, and it just sounds raunchy, you know. Really, huh? Yeah, I never thought of it. And raunchy's okay because raunchy's an adjective. I think it's a I think it's a colorful word, but if you prefer that I wouldn't use it, um, I'll try not to. Yes, it's gone. I'll try not. It's gone on my list of should be bad words. Right. So does it? So Janice, does it embarrass you or does it titillate you? It it gets at my identity. I see. Uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm so glad that you're thanking me for my feedback, Dan. Um, I feel like I have to go cleanse my soul now. Uh, so I'm going to bring this episode to a close. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Okay.
Bye bye, simulation. <laughs> Simulationistas. <laughs> this has been DJ Simulationistas. What's up? With Dan Raymer and Janice Pelaganis. Thanks so much for listening. Check back next week for another episode. See you next time. <laughs>